Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We're back in the book of Ecclesiastes, and hopefully we're one week closer to be able to meet together as the body of Christ. Uh, we're, we're praying about that and seeing when's the best time to open back up the doors of the church. And so uh, be praying for us as we uh, strive to make the right decision. Tonight we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 11 to 20. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 11 to 20. And uh, I've entitled this, The Biblical Picture of a Fool. The Biblical Picture of a Fool. Uh, last week, remember, we uh, looked at the first 10 verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and we talked about um, folly and foolishness. And we learned that foolishness damages our reputation. It demands our patience when those over us and authority over us are being foolish. And then also it deserves God's judgment. And you don't get away with anything. Uh, God will carry out his judgment even on fools. And then the last point we had was it dulls the axe or it dulls the iron. And we talked about how we are representative of that axe. We want to be sharp. We want to be used for God's glory. And we don't want to be foolish in the way we deal with things. Well, tonight we find ourselves picking up in verse 11 of Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And so you can follow along in your Bibles. Hopefully you've downloaded the uh, outline from the email or the app. And you have it there before you so you can follow along with us. But uh, let's read the text and then we'll have a word of prayer and begin our study. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 11 to 20. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength, and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. The matter. Uh, let's join our hearts together in a word of prayer and ask God's wisdom that he would help us apply this text to our lives. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, um, gave us these words of truth. And Lord, I pray tonight that we would see the way of a fool is not the way for the Christian and that we should strive to live lives that are exemplary of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we just pray tonight that you would lead us and guide us through our study Lord, we pray for those who may be going through um, health issues or uh, other issues in their lives. We pray that your comfort, your care would be there with them. Remind them of your grace during this time. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. All God's people said, amen. Well, <clears throat> the book of Proverbs has a lot to say, which was also written, by the way, by Solomon, 
a lot to say about foolishness. And uh, I just want to share several verses with you out of the book of Proverbs, and you can just uh, follow along in your hearing. You don't even have to turn there because I'm going to go through them kind of rapid fire. But in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then down in verse 22, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Verse 32, for the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. Or chapter 3, verse 35, he writes, the wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Chapter 10, verse 18, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Chapter 10, verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Over in chapter 11 of Proverbs, verse 29, he writes, whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. Chapter 12, verse 15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Also over in chapter 13, verse 19. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. And even in chapter uh, 14, verse 9, it reads, fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. Now there's a lot to be said about foolishness or folly in the book of Proverbs, as well as the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been looking at that for the last week or so. In today's lesson, we're going to see more of a description of the fool himself, and not just the folly he partakes in, but the fool himself, a biblical description of a fool. We see three major issues. First of all, in verses 11 to 15, we see a fool is not controlled in what he says. A fool is not controlled in what he says. And then down in verses 16 to 19, a fool is not concerned about priorities and responsibilities. And then the last point, verse 20, a fool is not careful about possible consequences for his thoughts, words, or his deeds. And so we see here these three points, and we want to take time to go through our outline. Hopefully you have it there with you. But we see, first of all, in verses 11 to 13 here, that a, a fool is not controlled by the nature of his words. He's not controlled by the nature of his words. Uh, the character of one's talk is the acid test, really, for wisdom. It's the acid test for wisdom. And a fool fails this test in three ways. He reacts like a snake, it tells us there in verse 1. And then in verse uh, 12, it says he responds without kindness. And then in verse 13, he raves like a madman. Now, look at the first point here in verse 11. Excuse me, not verse 1, verse 11. He reacts like a snake in verse 11. He reacts to people just like a snake. How does a snack, snake react? It, it reacts quickly. It strikes at you. And it says there in... Uh, in verse 11, if a serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. That's the, the verse that he's referring to here. He is not controlled by the nature of his words. Why? Because he reacts like a snake. 
Um, if you don't tell him what he wants to hear, he'll bite you. All right, he's, he's not easily charmed. In other words, he's critical and he, and he doesn't really care about any kind of damage he may do with his words. He reacts quickly. Uh, Psalm chapter 52, verse 1, it says, Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction. Like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. Verse 3, you love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. You're, you love all words that devour, O oh, de deceitful tongue. See, we all have a need to control our tongue, which is uncontrollable. Um, the fool is completely uncontrollable. They don't even look to God to control. They don't see anything wrong. That's why they're foolish. Now, I just want to say at the onset here, we've all probably done things that have been foolish, but that doesn't make you a fool. A fool is someone who turns their back on God and seeks their own way, irregardless of any wisdom that God may unveil to them. And see, here we see that a fool reacts like a snake. If you don't tell them what they want to hear, what do they do? They bite they react quickly, without thinking. They don't care who they're going to hurt. Over in the book of James, it tells us in verse uh, 1 through 12 of chapter 3, you can turn there in your Bibles, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. In other words, this happens to everybody. Able to also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into, our, into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large, they are uh, driven by strong winds. They are also guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Verse five, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile, of sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But look at what it says in verse 8. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison, like a snake. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people whom are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Verse 11, does the spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Obviously, the answer is no. Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What's he saying? Our tongue is a very powerful source of evil at times. And we've all fallen in that area. Sometimes we say things we wish we would not have said. 
We say things that are hurtful to people. And it's sinful. But none of us can say we've never done that. Because if we do, the Bible says that we're a perfect man. But we should strive to have our tongue controlled by the Spirit of God. See, we all have that tendency to be like a fool when we open our mouths. Uh, and there's nothing as practical as studying and discussing the way that we communicate, the way that we talk. And the one problem we have is our arrogance and pridefulness sometimes is a reaction when we, when we get criticized by how we talk. When someone tells us, oh, you shouldn't have said that, or you should have said this, or boy, you, you, you hurt my feelings when you said this. We, what do we do? We become defensive. And what do we want to do? We want to attack back. You see this a lot of times in counseling. Um, done some counseling with some couples and the couples will come in and they're really nice and they talk to you and they're very pleasant. But during the counseling session, when they're talking to one another, they're not pleasant at all. They're downright nasty. And you want to stop and ask, why are you treating each other this way? Because they don't talk to you that way. As the counselor, they just talk to each other. We have to be careful how we use our tongues. Uh, I pointed that out one time when we were talking to one couple. And uh, the man just kind of quit back at me real quick. I said, why, why do you treat your wife that way, but you don't treat me that way? And he said, well, I'm not married to you. Now, you know, it was kind of funny at the time, but it's really not. That's not an excuse. See, our tongues are not controllable in and of ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. That's why we need the Spirit of God to maintain that control, to take over, and to, to use our tongues to honor and glorify God. Uh, sometimes, you know what, we don't even know what we're saying. I mean, I've, I've preached messages sometimes, and afterwards my wife would say, why did you say that? Or, and I said, what did I say? And I go back and I listen to the tape or watch the video, and it's like, oh my goodness, I don't know why I said that. You know, um, sometimes it's just misquoting a scripture, other times it's, it's something more severe. But sometimes we don't even know what we are saying. That's how dangerous the tongue can be. And that's why James pointed out, not many of us should become teachers for that very reason. The more you teach, the more you talk, the more opportunity you have in, to get into hot water. So you have to be careful how you say things and what you say. But see, a fool approaches life totally apart from God at all. He, he basically is saying, I don't need God. I don't want God in part of my life. So when he goes out and he uses his tongues to slice and dice up people, he doesn't care. Um, if you've ever watched um, some of these police shows, you see some of these people, they get arrested, they're just downright um, nasty. And their language is just totally uncontrollable and they're insulting the police and they're insulting the people they're fighting with. And boy, it's just, they're just nasty people, I guess. And their tongue is out of control. Psalm 58 verses three to five says, the wicked are estranged from the wound they go astray from birth. Listen to this, speaking lies. Verse four says, they have ven venom like the venom of a serpent. See the illustration Solomon's using is correct. It's just like a snake. A fool, foolish person can act just like a snake with the use of their tongue. Like the deaf adder, which is a very poisonous snake, that stops its ear so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or of the cunning enchanter. In other words, a fool isn't open to anybody's input. They don't care. 
Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 11. That's what it says there, right? If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. Or that word charmer kind of has the idea of babbler. Somebody who's just babbling. Uh, a fool is likened to that. They're just a babbler. They like to just babble on and on and on. And I'm sure we've all uh, done that sometime in our life. But more than that, we've probably been around people that do that all the time. And so we have to be reminded that we have to bring these things under the guidance of God's word and the spirit. In Psalm 64, verses two to four, the psalmist writes this, hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng, throng of evildoers who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. See, it all comes and starts there with the tongue. Psalm 18, verse 21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you know, you could, you could say the wrong thing and really upset somebody to the point where they kill you. It happens all the time. And so we have to be careful with that. We need to be more conscientious about what we say. And not only that, but how we say it. You know, sometimes we speak the truth, but we lack a lot of love. We lack a lot of grace when we say those words. And even though it's the truth, it can do a lot more harm than good. And so we, we see here that he, he basically reacts like a snake. Well, secondly here in verse 12, it says he responds without kindness, which, which kind of goes to what I was saying. He responds without kindness in verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. That's what it says in verse 12. Proverbs 12, verse 13 says, an evil man is ensnared by a transgression of his lips, but the righteous escape from trouble. See, here it shows that someone is being unkind. They, re they respond without kindness. Uh, I mean, if we would really talk to each other, with the grace and the sweetness of Jesus, many things would change in our marriages, in our work, in our, with our kids, including our ability to affect people for Jesus Christ because what we say and how we say it has a big impact on a lot of people. Uh, Psalm 45 verses one and two says this, my heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king, my tongue, look at what it says, is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. See, we need the grace of God to pour out across our lips. And it says, therefore, God has blessed you forever. We need to be careful when we speak. Proverbs twenty-two eleven says, he who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, what? The king will be his friend. The king will be his friend. Even who we have relationships with is affected by the use of our tongue. See, grace in our speech means that we give people verbally what they don't deserve. In other words, yeah, that guy might deserve being chewed out for whatever, or being lectured for whatever, but we give them grace. We extend grace. We're called to be gracious because of the Lord's love in our hearts. We want to give them a picture of something they don't deserve. 
And so we have to be careful. You know, sometimes when you run into people that are just downright angry at you, the worst thing you could do is respond in anger. That doesn't help anything. The best thing you could do is respond graciously, even if you didn't do anything. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry if I offended you in any way. I don't know what I did, but I'm sorry. Uh, I, you know, help me out here. Explain it to me. See, but if you go toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody like that who's angry and frustrated at you, you're not going to get very far. Sometimes we just need to extend grace. Proverbs 15.33 says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. See, there's a time to say something, and then there's also a time not to say anything. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. In other words, it's speaking there of just the perfect setting. You're taking time to make it look perfect. Communication needs the grace of God poured upon it. And see, the foolish person, the fool, never responds that way, never responds with grace, never responds with kindness. It doesn't matter what they say. To a fool, you know, you could say, hey, I hope you have a nice day. Hey, what's it to you, buddy? You know, they're just foolish. Something's wrong in their heart. They're not focused on the relationship with God. They're thinking they can live this life without God's input. In the New Testament, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 to 32, look at this. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Boy, I'll tell you what, this was very convicting to study for this week, for this study, as I went through this. Because if one thing, if you know me at all, I'm, I'm a pretty critical person. I can be downright very, very critical and say some harsh things at times. It's not even I mean to say them. They just come out that way. But you know what? It's not honoring to God. And here he's saying, you know what? Don't let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Nothing. But only such as is good for building up. You know, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. That's, that's kind of the old adage, right? He goes on, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace, there it is again, to those who hear. See, we're never told anywhere in the Bible that we should tear somebody down in order to build them up. We don't see that in Scripture. We don't see that anywhere. And yet, it's a common belief among even believers. You know, they employ that with their children sometimes. They, they shame them and they tear them down. And they think somehow that's going to make them stronger. Um, it doesn't really work that way. We're given commands to only edify, to build people up, especially when it comes to our tongue. He also says in verse 30, that 30 there, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Our tongue, the way we use our tongue, can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm sure we've all been there and done that and have had to repent and ask forgiveness. It's a very common thing. Verse 31, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And then he gives a positive command. He says, verse 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Well, how do you do that, Paul? As God in Christ forgave you. See, when you start to focus on the forgiveness and the grace of Christ, you can't help but 
extend that to other people. Because that's what we're called to do as Christians. Over in the book of Colossians, Paul continues with this theme in verse 5 and 6 of chapter 4. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. In other words, what's he talking about? He's saying, you know, the time is short. Make sure you're using your time to the best uh, that you can, the best value. Well, how do you do that? He says in verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to you ought to answer each person. In other words, the fool just goes around. They don't care even what the question, the question is. They're just going to answer however. They could care less if they hurt people or walk over people. But see, that's not what we're called to. We're called to allow our speech to be gracious. Doesn't mean that it doesn't have some bite. It's seasoned with salt, it says. Sometimes you have to say some hard things to people. But it, it, it helps when you say it graciously and not with arrogance or prideful. Uh, and really, we look to our Lord as an example, right? In chapter 4, verse 22 of the Gospel of Luke, it says this, And all spoke well of him, speaking of Christ, and marveled, look at what it says, at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Isn't that amazing? And they even commented at the end of that verse in 22, they said, and they said, Is this not Joseph's son? You know, I mean, you don't think of a construction guy or a carpenter or, or a quarryman, a stonemason kind of a guy, as somebody who's gracious and gentle. But it says right here that that was just the case. And they were amazed of the graciousness of his words. Well, the third thing here we see is not only does he uh, respond without kindness and he reacts like a snake, but it also tells us here that he raves like a, a, a madman. That's what it says in verse 13. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and at the end of his talk is evil madness. In other words, this shows that he's got some anger issues. You know, we all deal with anger occasionally, right? Some of us more than not. But we learn from Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16, a fool rages and is self-confident. In other words, they don't care what their anger does to other people. They're not repentant of it. They're, they're just foolish. Proverbs 15, 14 says, the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. In other words, they don't care about anybody else but themselves. Verse two of chapter 15 of Proverbs says, the mouth of fools pulls, pours forth foolishness. See, when there is a broken spirit in our hearts, when we realize that, wow, except by the grace of God, I don't know where I'd be. And we have that brokenness in our lives and we've come to Christ and he's transformed us into a new person. Then we're able to speak with the kindness and forgiveness of Christ. But if you haven't had that in your life yet, if you haven't come to Christ yet, I implore you to do so. Come to him and ask him for forgiveness for your sins. And you can have this same graciousness and power of the Spirit in your life. So you see here, a fool is not controlled in what he says. He's not controlled in the nature of his words. But look at what it says in verses 14 and 15. He's also not controlled in the number of his words. And we've all run into people like this. You know, they just go on and on and on, and you're like, okay, get to the point. You're talking in circles. And that's what it says there in verse 14. 
It indicates that there's an additional way in which a fool shows that he's a fool. And it's not just in, in how he says what he says, the nature of his words, but it's also he just won't shut up. He just keeps rambling and babbling on about things he has no knowledge of. And Ecclesiastes warns about this. Back in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, it says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For, the God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be, what? Few. Let your words be few. See, that's what we're called. We're not called to be the, the person that garners everybody's attention all the time and dominates every conversation. So a fool is not only known by what he says, but he's also known by how much he says. And you can conclude two things from this. Verse 14, his words reveal nothing. That's why it says there in verse 14, a fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. In other words, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And who can tell him what will be after him? In other words, the more you talk, the greater chance there is that you're going to be wrong in what you say. Or even that there may be even sin in what you say. It, it shows an element of arrogance. And we've all been in situations where we've been in a gathering of people or whatever and somebody just talks and talks and talks. And they, you, you can't get a word in edgewise. And that's so irritating. But you know what? It's, it's important to realize that as believers, we're not called to that kind of behavior. Proverbs 10, 19 warns, it says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. In other words, the more you say, the more you're opening yourself up to, uh, to sin. See, you don't try to play God. You can't, you can't control everything. You can't discuss everything. You can't communicate everything. And the more you try to convince someone to think the way you were thinking, you know what? Really, the greater chance you will say nothing. You're not going to affect their, their opinion at all. And uh, sometimes, you know, we, we forget that. So you see here that their words react, reveal nothing. But also there in verse 15, his words result in weariness and lack of direction. This is the result of a fool. It says in verse 15, the toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. What he's saying is the more you talk, the less you know. Um, I don't know if that's a good commercial for shorter sermons and shorter messages or not, but that's kind of true. Uh, this development shows that the fool is really incompetent in anything he's communicating. Remember, we're talking about not the righteous person. We're talking about the fool here. Now, we all fall into this at some time in our lives, for an occasion maybe. But hopefully we catch ourselves and realize, wow, I don't want to do that again. Um, but we're talking about the foolish person, the person that's walked away from God they don't want anything to do with God, and they think they can do it all on their own. This is not a wise man. Basically, the fool does not know enough to come out of the rain that's kind of the idea. You know, they, they don't have that kind of a common sense. So a fool is not controlled in what he says. Well, look at verses 16 to 19. A fool is not concerned about priorities and responsibilities. 
A fool is not concerned about priorities and responsibilities. Look at what he says in verses 16 to 19. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. In other words, boy, they don't even have a plan for the day. They just get up and lazy. They're acting like children. Verse 17, happy are you, O land, when your king is a son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. In other words, the fool has the idea of, hey, life's just a party. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry continuously. Now, we're called to enjoy life. We've talked about that, how Solomon says, you know, you're to enjoy the things that God blesses you with. But that's not a fool. A fool, that's all they do. They live for the party. Verse 18, through sloth, the roof sinks in. And through indolence, the house leaks. In other words, you're just lazy. You got a bad roof and you're not even going to fix it. Verse 19, bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. That's kind of the, the mentality of someone who is foolish. They got everything they need. And you can see that in their activities in verses 16 to 17. Their activities are characterized by immaturity. He's immature. He's childish. And today in our culture, we have a very childish um, group of individuals, group of people. And, you know, we've lost the idea of the language of duty and altruism, which basically means we, we seek to promote someone else's good, someone else's welfare, and even at the risk of our own. You don't see that today. It's been replaced by the language of personal rights and, and materialism and, hey, it's my way or the highway. You know, give me what I want. And so we have to be, be careful about that. It's, it's, the activities are characterized by immaturity. In verse 17, they're also characterized by indulgence. Indulgence, drunkenness, he speaks of. He's indulgent, he's excessive, is, is the idea. A fool is someone who can't just have a good time. They gotta have a good time till it ruins everybody else's time. And we've all run into people like that whether it's at a gathering, a social gathering, or whatever, it starts off kind of joking, and then eventually they don't know when to stop, and somebody's feelings are hurt, pretty soon there's a fight that breaks out, or whatever. We've been in those situations. We've seen that. And so we have to be careful. It's seen in the activities. They're not concerned about priorities or responsibilities, but it's also seen in his apathy. They're generally apathetic. They don't care about anything. They're slothful or they're lazy. Um, that's what verse 18 refers to there. Proverbs 23, 21 says, For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. See, we have to be careful that we don't become apathetic in the way we live our lives. But it's also the fool is you can see it in their attitude. You can see their carelessness about priorities and responsibilities, even in their attitude. In verse 19, it's basically focused all on the material and what they have. You know, they're very materialistic. Um, in the New Testament, in, in uh, Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 and 21, Paul talks about this. And follow along as I read this for you. Philippians 3, verse 17 to 21. We have to be careful that we don't become materialistic in our approach to life. 
Verse 17, brothers, join in imitating me. This is Paul speaking. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the Christ, the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame. With minds set on what? On earthly things. And Paul reminds them our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Um, I think it was Martin Luther who once said, money must procure everything for them. That's kind of the end game for them. That's what's similar when you look at someone who's foolish. It's all about what they have. It's all about their materialistic, greedy hearts. And we have to be careful. We have to guard our hearts. Don't, don't begin to believe the lie that this is all there is. This is a vapor. Everything we have could be gone tomorrow. And we need to live our lives as such. Well, the third thing here in verse 20 it points out that a fool is not careful about possible consequences for his thoughts, words, or deeds. A fool is not careful. So we've seen that a fool is not controlled in what he says. A fool is not concerned about priorities and responsibilities. But he's not careful about possible consequences for his thoughts, his words, or his actions. Verse 20 in other words, a fool is careless. That's what he points out. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king. A fool doesn't care about that. He says, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. In other words, be careful. Always be on guard. And why? Solomon says, hey, you don't know if there's a bird that's going to carry your little voice somewhere. You don't know, especially today, in the day and age we live in. I mean, how many times have we, you know, been on a Zoom call or we've been on a... a a call with somebody and, and, or we got a pocket call from somebody. I get pocket calls from somebody, you know, just calls out of the blue. And you say, hello, hello, and, and they don't even know you're on the other end. But you can hear everything the people are saying in their conversation. They don't know you're listening. That's very dangerous. So you have to be careful. But a fool doesn't care. They could care less. They don't care about the consequences for their thoughts, their words, or their deeds. In Proverbs 26, 2, we find like a fitting, fleeting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse will cause, without cause, shall not alight. See, a fool is, is careless. A fool doesn't care about anybody but themselves. Um, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22, 23 says, The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He lies, he dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. What do you learn about all this? What do you learn about the biblical description of a fool? Well, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus speaks to this. He's talking to 
a group of religious leaders there, and he says in verse 34, you brood of vipers. He calls them a bunch of snakes. I mean, this is a religious elite of Jesus' time. He says, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Listen to what he says in verse 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Ouch. I don't know if you're like me, but boy, that, that hurts when you hear that. That really puts the fear of God in you. We have to be careful. We have to bridle our tongues. Verse 37, for by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. You know, it's an overflow of your heart. We're going to give an account for every idle word that we speak. You know, we need to understand that, that God is very concerned about our words, about our tongue. And we must all learn to speak more with graciousness. Yet with salt, but graciousness and humility. And uh, speak the words of Christ with the sweetness and grace of Christ to people's lives. That will get you a lot further along in sharing Christ with others and everything else rather than being just nasty about it. And see, a fool doesn't discern that. A fool's just nasty to everybody. They don't care. They don't care about anybody but themselves. But as believers, we need to be able to trust in Christ, in Christ alone every day to put that guard on our tongue and, and make sure that we're speaking words that are building and edifying other people up, not just tearing them down. I told you it's a convicting message. It is to me. And, uh, you know, we, we're not going to conquer this because we'd be perfect if we could, right? But every day we should be growing more and more uh, in our behavior, in our speaking, in our words, uh, as if we were speaking the words of Christ. Well, join me in a word of prayer as we close our message tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that Solomon shares this information with us. Lord, we're so thankful that we don't have to be foolish, that we don't, uh, we're called to be anything but foolish, really, as believers, that we're to trust in Christ every day to make us into the people that he desires us to be. Lord, help us to guard our tongues, to guard our attitudes, to guard our actions, that we would be ever mindful that people are watching. But most important, Lord, you're, you're watching, and you see everything we do. And Lord, help us to be um, gracious to people and not just tear people down. Help us to be kind and uh, be tempered in, in our dialogue and in our conversation with other people, that they would sense the grace of Christ in our hearts as well. Pray that you would continue to minister to our body, keep us healthy, and we just uh, pray that you would take us through the rest of the week. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.